Hello, everyone. It is time for some announcements here at Keys Vineyard. Hey, coming up May 3rd, one of our favorite things to do is One More Youth. We invite the middle schoolers and high schoolers at our church, that's like 6th through 12th grades, uh, to come to the church, and it's a night just for them. We'll have some cool games, we do worship, we talk about the Bible, uh, and of course we have pizza. So you won't want to miss that for middle schoolers, high schoolers, One More Youth, May 3rd, 6.30 p.m. Also coming up in early May, on May 4th, is our next Heaven City Limits night. Pastor Billy and Pastor Angie have some amazing plans uh, for that night of worship. That'll start May 4th. It's a Thursday evening at 6.30 p.m. Uh, make plans to go. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'll be there. You should be there, too. Also coming up, May 7th is our next Newcomers Lunch. Uh, if you've been coming to the church for a while and you'd like to introduce yourself to the staff, we'll be out on the front deck after the 11 o'clock service for a meet and greet with some refreshments. So great, uh, great event to be a part of if you're new to our church. And uh, I think we have a jam night coming up later in May. I haven't firmed up the date, but I will pick one out soon. And, you know, keep downloading that app. Lots of great info. And uh, my dad has some cool stuff planned uh, digitally for our church. But, um, yeah, I could talk about that not really all day, but for a couple more minutes. But I'm not going to because it's time to get ready for church. So here we go. Let's get ready for church. Woo! Everybody online, welcome. We're getting ready to hop back in again. We've had a great morning so far, and we're glad to be able to worship with you. And then we're back in our series, The Questions Jesus Asked. Uh, this week we're in Mark chapter 3. Uh, the question is about what's lawful on the Sabbath. I think it's, uh, it's very interesting. So Mark chapter 3, get your Bibles, get a coffee, get comfy, get ready, because here we go. Woo! <laughs> Good morning, everyone. It is great to be here and see your faces and hear your voices. It's always one of my favorite things to be in the room while everyone's, like, relationshipping. Is that, can we verb that? Yeah, we're relationshiping. <laughs> but I love being in here with you guys, and we're looking forward to spending time with you in worship and in the Word. I'm going to tell you what we'll be attempting to do in case you don't know the flow yet. We're going to start things off with communion. Chaplain Doug is going to lead us through that in just a moment. After communion, we'll have our time of worship. And then Pastor Georgina will come up and lead any kids who'd like to join her through a Bible verse. We will dismiss them all to their Sunday school classrooms. And then we will have our time in the Word with Pastor Steve. We are in questions. Jesus asked part 17 and we're getting close to the end of this series this today's was really good I'm looking forward to you guys digging in before we do any of that let's pray Holy Spirit would you come Papa we are so thankful that you meet with us we're thankful to be gathered together with our brothers and sisters to celebrate and worship you. And Papa, we thank you for how you've been moving in us and through us this week. We're excited to see what you do next, God. And we ask for more. but help us to love the way you love. To 
continue being your people who live naturally supernatural lives. Pointing those lost kids back to you. And we join with all the churches around the world where your gospel is preached with this collect. Almighty God, you show the light of your truth to those in error so that they may return to the way of righteousness. Give us power to obey your will in living by doing the next right thing. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Chaplain Doug. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it saying, This is my body, take and eat in remembrance of me. In the same manner he took the cup. It was the last night of the Passover celebration. The cups of plagues and sanctification had already been poured and celebrated. Jesus takes the third cup, which is the cup of redemption. He said, This is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. Gathered with his friends that evening, Jesus gives us a lasting ordinance or remembrance which we call communion, or the Lord's table, or the Lord's supper. He said, from now on, when you get together and partake of this meal, I want you to remember me. And as his friends gathered here this morning, we too can partake of this meal, the bread and the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. And we want to remember and give thanks. We want to remember all that Jesus has said and done and promised to do. We want to remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. We want to remember how he defeated death and rose again, and we want to remember with awe and thanksgiving that he's coming back for us soon. So here on the table are the elements of communion, the bread, the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. The table is open to all who believe. So as we worship this morning, and you feel led by the Spirit, please come, partake, remember, and give thanks. Amen. And amen. Thank you, Chaplain Doug. We're going to enter into our time of worship now. And uh, I always just encourage us all to sing out and lift our voices as we praise the Lord here today. We're going to see the words on the screen so you can sing along with those. You're welcome to sit, but stand if you're able. We are here for you, Lord.
eternity to join the song they're already singing holy 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 are you Lord. just about I'll be I'll cry out because you're
for this time of worship in your presence. And Father, as we're here in your presence, I'd ask that you'd be with us as we prepare to study your word. Lord God, would you anoint the words that are spoken to us, that are taught to us. Use those words, God, to stir up our hearts towards you. And Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you'd be with those who are working with our children at this service and the next. God, anoint them. Give them everything that they need to show all the kids your wonderful love for them, O God. You are so good, Lord. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. And amen. And Pastor Georgina, would you please come up and teach the children a Bible verse? Thank you. Good morning, everyone. How are you guys? Cool. But today's story, true story comes to to us from the New Testament, from the book of 1 Corinthians. So I have a question for you. If I ask you, what is love? What would you say? Yes. Love is Jesus. <gasps> Good. Love is Jesus. Yeah. People will have different answers for that, right? But the Bible tells us 
that God is love, right? Yes, God is love. And because he loves us, we can love other people, right? And guess what? There was this follower of Jesus named Paul. Have you heard of him? Yeah, he wrote a letter to people living in the city of Corinth. They were called Corinthians, right? And he told them that God gives believers spiritual gifts. Do you like gifts? Yeah, I know. I love gifts, right? But these spiritual gifts are special abilities that help people, right? And I know, helps people, right? And helps us to serve God, right? And he said that the greatest of all these spiritual gifts is love. What is the greatest of these gifts? Love. Good job. Love, right? Paul told them, if I speak all kinds of different languages, but I don't have love, I am just making noise. And then he said, if I speak God's truth or have all knowledge or have amazing faith, but I have no love, he says, I am nothing. And then he says, if I give everything I have, right, to other people, but I don't have love in my heart, he says, I have gained nothing. And then he wrote to them what God, what love looks like. So listen to this and see, oh, I do that, or oh, I don't do that. Okay, are you ready for the list? Okay, it says that love is kind, right? Love is patient. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not easily angered. It is not self-seeking. It does not it is not so seeking. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth, right? And then he goes on to say, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes. Love never fails. He says that God's gift of love will never end. He said that the gift of prophecy, the gift of speaking different languages, and the gift of having knowledge, they will one day stop, but love will never end. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, he tells us that three things will last forever. How many things, guys? Three. Good job. He said, faith, hope, and love. And what do you think the greatest of these are? Love. Love, right? Good job. Love. Love, he said, is the greatest of the, of these. Yes, love. We are to spend the rest of our lives, right? Learning to love well, right? And when we know God, right, we understand this love and then he can help us to love others. Do you want to love others well? Raise your hand if you want to love others well. Yeah, cool. All right. So now we're going to say the Bible verse to one another. Are you ready? So we can know God's truth. Okay, repeat after me. First Corinthians thirteen thirteen. First Corinthians thirteen thirteen. Good job. Okay. Three things, Three things. will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these. 
is love. Excellent job, boys and girls. That was amazing. The children are getting stickers because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I've just been told there's a birthday. We're going to sing happy birthday to Cole. Uh, I just, I just got it. It doesn't matter. Let's sing Cole happy birthday. You guys going to help me? Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Wait, wait, we got to get prayed for. Pastor Jordina is going to pray for you. Hang on. Okay, ready, guys? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Ready? Father in heaven, we thank you so much, Lord God, for the amazing way that you take care of us, that you provide for us, God. Thank you, Lord, for showing us how much you love us by sending Jesus to die on the cross. In Jesus' name, why do we say everyone? Amen. Have fun. Good morning. Welcome to the vineyard. I love having all these kids here. It was one of those things that we prayed a lot about. You know, uh, when, when COVID happened, it stopped a lot of those things. And we were still meeting. We, we, we didn't meet for about a month. But after that, we were meeting. But just all of the kids, we used to have that. And then no kids. And but it's so good that they're all back. And uh, we love that. So faithfulness of God is a very cool thing. Um, so welcome. Welcome to the vineyard. I, I need to... Oh, I haven't pushed enough buttons. I get distracted sometimes, and there's a number of button pushes that have to go on. And if I don't get them, then I can't go where I want to go. But we're here now, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to those of you joining us online. Happy to have all of you with us today. Uh, and if you're a first-time guest or visitor, that code that just popped up is for you. If you point your smart device at it, uh, you'll, it'll be asking you for your name, phone number, email address, and then uh, we will send you texts and emails for four or five weeks, and then after that, it will subside, uh, and then you'll get them every now and again as we send something out, but we'd love to have that. We also have gifts for first-time guests back at guest services, so if you didn't get one on the way in, stop by on your way out, and uh, we have a nice gift for you. Also, I want to say my wife is not feeling well, so she says hi to everybody, she... Uh, uh, but here's what, so, so she was watching online this morning, and all of a sudden I get a text. She goes, fix your hair. <laughs> she said, you had an Elvis curl popping down. So, honey, I'm trying to keep it back there. But. Thanks for the heads up. Uh, I love that stuff. Um, 
We also pray for our neighbors here whenever we gather corporately. This is to reinforce what I've asked you to do every day. I want you doing this every day. Pray for the people that live around you. And it becomes a habit. And it is, it might sound simple. I think it's the most powerful and profound ministry that any of us will ever do, including me. Pray for those people that are right around you. God put you where you're at for a purpose, and those people are there, and you need to be praying for them. And amazing things happen over time as you do that. So think about a couple of your neighbors, if you would, and let's just go to the Lord. Papa, we lift up our neighbors to you. We ask God that you would move in their lives in mighty, mighty ways, that you would draw those who don't know you into relationship with you. And help us, God, to be good neighbors, to love our neighbors well, Bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area that hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Prayer is a powerful thing. Lots of things happen because of prayer. And I, you know, so I've been here now for a long time. And, uh, and to watch God respond to prayer over 30 plus years and the things that happen constantly amazes me. And, uh, I'm, I'm always encouraged never to forget from how, how things happen, and most of it was just a constant foundation of prayer and continues to be. So keep it up. Let's pray for all your neighbors. I want to see them all here next week. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, good. So we did that. We're in a series called The Questions Jesus Asked. This series is based on... Uh, questions that Jesus asked, which is how the title came to be. He asked over 300 questions in the Gospels. Many times people haven't realized it's his favorite teaching method. It's not really giving you a whole lot of facts. He's throwing out questions for you to ponder because that causes you to dig in and look for the answers for yourself and those stick with you. So um, so keep doing that. We've been reading through the Gospels. We're going to do two more weeks of this. We've looked at like 20 questions. Um, and I'm just trying to demonstrate on the weekend what I mean by hanging out with those questions. And then in the future, you can go back to them, and, and uh, over time, the Lord will lead you in different directions as you pressed in, and you sort of try and answer the question. What was he asking? What does it mean? Uh, and I just think it's a wonderful devotional tool to have. So if you've been reading with us through the Gospels this uh, week, it would be Mark 6 through 11. We're almost done with all four Gospels. We've got the last couple of weeks worth of reading. So read those. And um, someone asked me uh, about, you know, how you read the Bible and what does it look like. It's a great lead in to what I'm about to say. The next series is going to start the 21st of May. We're going to address just that. How do we read the Bible? What's it all about? How does it tie together? I'm pretty excited about it. And uh, I think it'll be really helpful for everyone because there's a lot of stuff going on. And so we're going to dig into that in a few weeks. Okay, we're going to be in Mark chapter 3 today. Uh, great question. Jesus asked, what's lawful on the Sabbath? And let me tell you that uh, at the heart of this, as I've been pondering this, is a decision uh, about what kind of people are we going to be. Are we going to be relationship people or are we going to be rule followers? And there's a big difference in how we choose and which direction we go. Uh, so that's where we're heading. Uh, and these are bad jokes these are really bad jokes. I, they would have been funnier if my wife was standing next to me because her face makes them funnier for me. <laughs> what do you call a moose with no name? Anonymous. I know that's stupid, but when I first, 
When that first, when I first saw that, it was very early in the morning, very early in the morning, and I could not stop laughing about how stupid that was. And the, the way my wife would grimace when she heard it. I have an inferiority complex, but it's not a very good one. You're going to like this one. This will be the one you take home. What do you call someone who can't stick to a diet? A deserter. All right. Scripture reading here on purpose, that never changes. And, uh, you know, the, the reading of the Scripture is important. If you, if you don't know, it has Old Testament roots that when people gathered, when the people of God gathered, the Scripture would be read out loud while the people were standing. That's why we always do that. And then it would be explained. And that's how the thing is set up. So that's why we do that in honor of that every week. So if you are able, would you please stand for the reading of the Word? We'll be looking today in Mark chapter 3. Verses 1 through 6. Another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. And then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they remained silent. And he looked around them at them in anger and deeply distressed, pretty significant when you see that from Jesus, at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. And then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Blessed be the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Now, uh, first read through, here's, here's what I hope you notice in that passage, in what's going on uh, from the way that I introduced it, is that, that I hope you can see the difference between what it looks like to be relational and what it looks like to be a rule follower. Now Jesus is our model for life and ministry and everything else, right? And he's coming at this in a very relational way. Here's a man with an issue and, and Jesus is going to pray for him so that he's healed. That's what he cares about. doesn't matter what day it is, what's going on, where they're at. There's a problem with this man, and Jesus is going to pray for him so that he's healed. And he is. Miracle takes place. He's healed. But the Pharisees, and, and you need to understand, they're the, they're the religious leaders of the day. They're, they're the ones that are supposed to be making it possible for people to find their way to God. And they're not doing that at all. In fact, they've shut that avenue off. They don't want anybody to find God. They just want to be who they are and enjoy whatever it is they're enjoying. And they cut everything else off. So, so you know, you, you would read that. You would think they would go, wow, this guy just got healed. Isn't that cool? Part of their church, right? Part of the synagogue. It needed healing. Gets healed. And in, in, what do they do instead? They go out and they partner with people they don't like, the Herodians. Pharisees and Herodians don't get along. But they do have a common enemy at this point. It's Jesus. And Jesus, well, Jesus, he just healed on the Sabbath. So now we have to kill him. The Pharisees are the rule followers. And I hope you begin to see the, the issue with the difference between what's going on and the heart of God for people. And yet how often we kind of change that into being about people following a whole bunch of rules. And, and we get all caught up in those things. And that's what this message is really all about and what that question that we're going to look at today, what's lawful on the Sabbath? What are we supposed to do? And uh, 
It seems to me that something happens to all of us. I, I hate making general statements like that because maybe not you, but for most of us. Uh, like we, we come into this relationship with Jesus and we realize on the way in how amazing this is. This grace, this mercy, didn't earn it, certainly didn't deserve it. What a mess we were on, on the way in. And yet, and yet Jesus has allowed me to uh, be in relationship with him. He's reconciled me to God. Holy Spirit has come. This is amazing. And I, I didn't do a thing for it on my end. I was in such a rough spot when I got in personally, let me, let me tell you, and had no church background and had really no clue about a whole lot of things. But I sort of knew that, that Jesus said, come, and if I came, that things would be good. And that's what I did. And that was cool. And that happens for a lot of us. And then all of a sudden, there's something that clicks in us because we think this is so amazing. Uh, and I know I couldn't earn it or, you know, but deserve it. But I, now it feels like I got to do something to keep it. Like I got to work for it somehow. I got to perform for it. And, and, uh, and so the best and easiest way I think that we know how to do that is what are the rules? I've had people ask me that straight up. They get saved. What are the rules? And I'm like, it's, it's, see, that's not how this works. Because if there's just rules that you're following, what happens is you will quickly become miserable and mean and critical, and you'll start making it difficult for other people to come know Jesus the same way that you did. Because you're going to put all these rules on them up front that they're, they're not able to deal with. And, and so we, we have to start looking at that and, and figure out how do we keep ourselves in a spot where we're not throwing a lot of things on people or on ourselves, but we realize that life is found in this relationship with him and that he loves me and he's got this life picked out for me and, and that I find life when I'm relating to him. And what is the heart of God on these things? And Jesus was unsettling to all of the people that were rule-following because he was saying, you're missing it, and we need to get it straightened out. First thing we need to always remember, God made you alive with Christ. God did it. He made you alive with Christ. And we have to hang on to that so we can live out this gospel message um, that, that this is really important. Maybe this is the most important thing I'm going to say. We have to keep the good news good. And unfortunately, we often make it less than good. Because it was really good for us getting in. And then we start adding things to it. So here's this passage in, in Colossians chapter 2. And we're going to read a few verses out of here and talk about them. Verse 13. When you were, God bless you, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. So catch the when there. Make sure you don't miss it. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, when you were a complete broken, utter mess and hadn't done anything at all, God made you alive with Christ. If you figured out who Jesus was, He does that. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. And He's taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So a couple things you need to know. Here's what's going on. Paul's writing to the church in Colossae. Uh, they've responded to the good news They've heard that Jesus died for their sins, uh, that had them on the cross uh, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he defeated death and rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. I'm sort of paraphrasing 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. That's the gospel message. They heard the gospel message. They responded to it in faith, 
And now they were in relationship with Jesus. God had made them alive in Christ. That's what it took. And now people are coming in though and say, okay, but now we've got to add a bunch of stuff to that. And that's kind of the issue. But, but what you need to see here first is that it says that Jesus took all that mess, everything that we'd ever done, all of our debt, uh, everything that, that had that been done to us, all of anything that could be used for guilt or shame, he took it all and he nailed it to the cross. That's really good. The gospel is really good news. That's really good news. Isn't it cool that you're, you're forgiven? Right? And, and that it's all been dealt with at the, he took it and put it all, every, every little bit of it. Sometimes we'll hang on to some stuff. Well, most of it, but not this or not that. Mm-mm, all of it, every single bit of it, boom, nailed to the cross. You don't need to be caught in guilt or shame anymore. That's the enemy who tries to keep you stuck in there. Uh, every, we're all broken. We've all got that mess. So, so don't get trapped there. And not only did he do that, he also defeated the powers and principalities. We've done a whole series on that. He took, and dealt with all the beings who will try and use that mess that got nailed to the cross, and they'll try and beat you up with guilt and shame. He's also defeated all of them too. It just keeps getting better. This is good news. The gospel's good news. And you, Jesus did it all. God, God, fully man, fully God. Jesus did all of that at the cross. He lived the life we couldn't live, the perfect sinless life. He willingly went to the cross on our behalf. Where as he was dying, he took on all of, all of our sin. Don't, all, every, every single bit, not only of what you've done, but what you ever will do for the world. All, took it all on. He died. He took that mess down with him. It's dealt with. It's left. He then defeats death and rises again and he invites us into his story. We can be reconciled to God in that. That's the good news. We didn't do anything to earn it, nothing, all right? So, so we have these, these things taking place, and the church in Collis, these folks are coming and saying, yeah, that's good that you got that, but now here's all these other things that you need to tag on to that, and we need to be aware of that because we all tend to do that. The church has done it for 2,000 years, and we still do it. We tag on things to the cross, and I call that cross-plussing. Now, don't look for cross plus in your Bible. It's not there. That's a Steveism. Let me just throw that out there. Cross plus, where's that in the Scripture? It's not. I'm telling you up front. Uh, but don't do it. Don't cross plus. What do I mean? Don't add things to the cross. Don't add, because you, here's the thing. I'm going to say this again in a minute, but I want, I want to hear this because people are going to start shutting me out, perhaps. This doesn't mean that, that we go through life doing whatever we want to do. That's not what it means at all. It just means we don't want to put the things that Holy Spirit begins to change in us and the way that we live out really finding life and make those a bunch of rules that other people have to follow before they have the power of the Holy Spirit to help them. And we start to tell them, well, you can't get in until you do these things. And I'm like, how can anybody get in then? Because that doesn't work. That's not how I got in. If I'd had to get cleaned up before I got in, I would have never got in. But once I got in, here's the great thing that happens. I've told you this. Once you're in, once you go, okay, Jesus, yeah, Jesus wants, Jesus wants you in. Once you get in, Holy Spirit comes and lives in you, and He has all the power to change you. And He starts dealing with those things over the course of your lifetime. So that you, you don't get stuck doing the things that you once used to do. Because they lose their appeal. When Holy Spirit's in you, that they quickly start to lose their appeal. And then He empowers you to start living rightly. So don't hear me say, oh, well, Pastor Steve said all I need is Jesus, and then I don't have to do it. No, but because I have Jesus, because He's in love with me and I'm in love with Him, I want to live for Him. And out of that relationship then comes a way of living that brings joy and fullness 
and peace and mercy and grace and all these incredible things because you realize the flow of that. You didn't earn it. You're not working for it. It's none of those things. It's just you're hanging out with him in relationship and you're living differently. See, <laughs> this is the most amazing life that anyone will ever have. And yet, too quickly, people want to change it and to start putting all these rules on people that steals life from them. And the problem with rules is this. You, they seem easier at first. Just tell me the rules and I'll do that. But, but the problem is, you'll, you'll hear the rules and then you'll start figuring out how far you can push, bend, or break them. Or hide them. Or I'll do that when nobody's looking. Or there's no life there. But when you're in relationship with God, Holy Spirit lives in you, and you're like, what should I do? And he tells you, and then he empowers you to do it. And that's where we begin to find life. It's in that relationship. Therefore, whenever you see a therefore in Scripture, what, do you know what you have to figure out? What it's? Thank you. Bible training tip. Therefore, that's interesting. What's it there for? Therefore, it's there because of what he just said, because of what Jesus did at the cross. Good news. Do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So people were coming and telling these people who'd found Christ, okay, that's cool that you found that, but now all these things have to come on there as well. And, and Paul's saying, it's not how this works. Don't let anyone judge you by these things because of God has reconciled you. And all those things were pointing to the arrival of Jesus. So, so all those things that you were living by, they were just pointing you to Jesus. So uh, we have to kind of have a quick understanding of uh, Judaism in the first century. And remember, I've said this to you, and I'll, I will say it often. The Bible is written for us, but not to us. And if you read it, uh, in your 2023 worldview mindset, it will say things to you that it didn't say and doesn't say. You have to read it with the idea of a first century Jewish believer in the second temple period and what would, what did Paul just say and what did it mean to them? So what's going on? And what he's saying is that those people would have, uh, they would have been following Torah. If they were covenant people with God, they would have been following Torah. Torah, the first five chapters, which is a pretty significant amount of Bible. They also were dealing with the fact they didn't have Bibles like we do back then. There were scrolls, and you didn't have one in your house. Um, the synagogue had some of them, not usually all of them. You know, tr- uh, the, the scrolls would travel around sometimes from synagogue to synagogue. So you heard, and you remembered all that you could. And, and so you, you sort of would have, from the Torah, you would have sort of assembled, we'll call them uh, cliff notes. How many of you went to college and were so thankful that there was cliff notes? You know what I'm talking about? For, for those of you that didn't, either you always did the reading, God bless you, or, because now I like you, you should be reading this. But this is fascinating, so it's, and never mind. Um, Cliff Notes were sold at bookstores on college, very near colleges, uh, and they would have the Cliff Notes of the books that you were supposed to read for class. And the Cliff Notes, somebody else had read the book, and then knocked it down to five or six pages, which was doable, right? And it was usually pretty much whatever you knew. Every now and again, you had a snarky professor who knew what you were doing and would ask you something that wasn't in the Cliff Notes. But for the most part, C's get degrees. Okay, so... 
<laughs> but this is a fascinating book because I said because I'm always telling you you should be reading it because there's nothing like this. All right, anyway, um, so they had this sort of cliff notes, if you would, of what it meant to be a covenant person with God back in the first century, and they'd sort of narrowed things down to um, they they called them boundary markers. If you were a, a God. Uh, covenant person in the first century, you had some boundary markers. And they had reduced it to this sort of set of things, which is fascinating, okay? Uh, it, it, it's, you, don't hurt, you don't eat certain things, and you don't drink certain things. You don't eat and drink with certain people. You celebrate the feasts, there's seven of them, you don't miss those, and man, you make sure you don't miss the Sabbath, and this is what the covenant people of God did. And if you were doing those things, there was a lot of leeway to do a whole bunch of other stuff that you shouldn't have been doing. But they just looked for these boundary markers. Okay? Well, here comes Jesus on the scene. And this is why they get so upset with him. Is to start thinking about when you're reading Jesus, when you're reading about him in the Gospels. Here's these boundary markers. And he's doing things that they know are God. They just be miracles and stuff. But he's not following their boundary markers. And they can't process it because he's eating and drinking with people that he shouldn't be eating and drinking with. They can't stand it. You're having, you're having meals with tax collectors and sinners. They, look, they say this over and over again. What's wrong with you? And he's like, well, I, those are the fun people. I'm going to hang out with them. You know, one of the, one of the things, I say that, but one of the ways we sort of know that we're missing it is if it's not fun to be a follower of Jesus. It's, it's a fallen world, broken planet, but if it's all stiff and bleh all the time, there's somebody's missing it and they're putting this stuff on people that there's no life. This is the, this best life you'll ever find is this one in Jesus. And every now and again, you go, whoo, thank you, Jesus. Has to happen. And it's fun. It should be fun. Well, he was doing those things. Also, they, it wasn't, you couldn't eat and drink certain things. And, <laughs> And, uh, and Jesus says, hey, they got it. They got so crazy. He says, it's not what goes into you that's making the problem. It's what's coming out of you that's the issue. Remember when he said that? He was challenging them on all their dietary. They'd followed those forever. And he's like, yeah, you're kind of, you're kind of missing it. And the Sabbath, like, and he keeps doing things on the Sabbath. In our passage today, what happens is the, the Pharisees and the Herodians who don't like each other decide what they're going to do is kill Jesus because they don't like that he just healed somebody. Why? On the Sabbath. We get what you did, but you're breaking the rules, so you got to go. See, that's just crazy what's going on. And, and this is the situation that Jesus is encountering and why this thing is setting up. You're not following the rules that we think you should follow and so you got to go. And the Apostle Paul says, look, don't let people pass judgment on you for those things because they were a shadow of the reality of Jesus. Now that Jesus is on the scene, Paul said, now that Jesus arrived, all those things were pointing you in his direction and it pointing you to relationship where you just begin to yield the Holy Spirit and you start living the way he calls you to live and, and move in that direction. And that's so important for us to get a hold of. And yet, we continually sort of add things to the cross. Uh, and we, we can't enjoy then the life that we have. And we, we start adding things to other people, and then they can't, and we make it hard for people to come to know Jesus. The good news stops being good. It looks like a whole bunch of rules and mean people and critical and no fun and very hard to get people to sign into that. We need to keep remembering it's God who does the work 
and that the gospel is good news, and let's not overcomplicate it by putting a whole... Let's not all load it up on the front end with a whole bunch of things. These are all the things that... Let's, listen, let's let you meet Jesus, and then Holy Spirit's going to come, and once you have Holy Spirit, He'll start changing all those things. You might not have to tell them that part. <laughs> They'll figure that out. See, that's what we have to do. And so we have to be aware of our tendency to put things on that don't need to be there. And we just got to get back to this love relationship that we has. Now, um, let, me, let me say, I want to say this again. This is important. I'm not saying that doctrine isn't important. And I'm not saying that theology isn't important. And I, I'm definitely not saying that we can just go ahead and do whatever we want to do. But what I'm saying is if we start making those things more important than the gospel the simple gospel, we start preaching about those things instead of the gospel. And the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's the gospel that changes people. It's the gospel that people need to hear and respond to so that they can be in relationship with God. And let's not complicate it. Let's not get a whole lot of stuff in the way of it. Let's get them to Jesus and then trust like the Holy Spirit will work on them just the same way that he works on us. The center of the salvation is the cross of Jesus. This is Oswald Chambers. And the reason it's so easy to obtain salvation is because it cost God so much. That's not complicated. You need to know Jesus. He loves you. He, it doesn't matter what a big mess you are. He loves you. How do I know that? Because he loves me. And I was as big a mess as anybody. Paul, Paul says that somewhere too. I was the chief of sinners. Uh, I, I'm a big mess, but he loves me. Does he want me to stay a mess? Of course not. But is it a bunch of rules that change me? No, it's Holy Spirit that changes me over time because I want to live for Him in this kind of relationship. Look what happens. I'm almost done. But look what happens to the Sabbath. That's why this whole thing is what's lawful on the Sabbath and why Jesus is undoing some of what's been happening. Mark 2.27, He said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Here's, here's how this whole rules and relationship thing plays out in something important. Sabbath was a gift that God gave his people. They had been in bondage and slavery for over 400 years in an economy where all they were valued for was their work, and they worked them constantly. Work, 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 work. And when Jesus, or when God goes in and rescues them and takes them out of that, he says, listen, every week there's going to be a day where you don't work. And we're going to hang out together. And, and see, what it's really a picture of is that God's setting things right. Remember, it's, this all begins in Exodus, this plan of setting everything right. And we're looking for that day when, you know, heavenly city comes down and earth is renewed and restored and we get those cool new bodies that we're waiting for and all that, and we have that coming. Sabbath was meant to be one day a week when that's what you remembered and knew was coming. It wasn't a to shut you down so that you had to be miserable and not have any fun and not do anything. It was meant so that you would remember the goodness of God. It was supposed to be the best day of the week. It was originally the day that everybody looked forward to. Sabbath is coming. That means no work. And that means we get to hang out together and we get to have fun and we get to enjoy one another and we're going to hang out with God and we know what's coming. And this is awesome and wonderful and amazing. That's what it was supposed to be. And yet all of a sudden someone comes in and goes, is God really that good? Do you think God just wants you to enjoy yourself and enjoy one another and enjoy Him on this day? Now, let's add some rules to that. And over time, there were so many rules on the Sabbath that people hated the day. Because you, you couldn't hardly move. 
You couldn't do anything. And what God made to be for us to every week get a constant reminder of how good he is and how he takes care of us and how he loves us became something completely different. And we have to be careful with that in our day-to-day lives even now. Let's not take what God has given us to enjoy and to steward and to be blessed by and add so much mess to it that no one can do that. And that's what's at the heart of the story. So you can kind of hang on that for a while, but uh, I think it's, uh, it's pretty fascinating to watch what Jesus does and think about what he does and where it's taking us. So that's that. Uh, ministry team, why don't you head over to the wall? People on the way over there are here to pray for you. And if you need prayer for anything, they'll make sure you get it. Let me say this. In the middle of this message, a couple of times, I presented the gospel message. God came, fully God, fully man in Jesus. Led the life we couldn't, perfect life, because we couldn't. He did it for us. Then he took that perfect life to the cross, where he was able to exchange that perfect life to pay off all of our mess and debt and defeated sin. And then he died, was buried, he rose again, defeated death, and we're invited in. The way that we get in is to respond to what he's done, is to say yes to Jesus. I believe that that's what you did for me. I couldn't do it for myself. You did it for me. So Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? That's where your life starts. And if you've never sort of made that connection and said, Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? Do it now, please. It's the best decision you will ever make. It's where life starts. Jesus, will you be my Lord and my Savior? That changes everything. Most amazing decision you will ever make in your life. Where am I? I missed the... Oh, well. Thank you for being generous. That screen just went by. (laughs) I do appreciate it. You have no idea. You You guys are awesome. The stuff that we get to do, not only here locally, but all over, is just... It's just crazy. It's the crazy goodness of God. All right. Now we can do doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. Head out. These doors are open for you. I don't think the rain has started, but it's coming. So uh, get safe. Be safe. We love you guys. Bye. Thanks for watching online. God bless you guys. And uh, Mark chapter 4 next week, the parable of the sower. Uh, And God's good, right? This is an amazing life that he gives us. Hope you're having one today. Bye.